good y'all welcome back to the onyx report hope everybody is good yeah all right a lot going on man trying to keep up with it all you are unfamiliar the onyx report is where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis hope you guys are well on this uh beautiful wednesday may 25th 105 degrees outside in Fresno, according to my little thermometer. But uh, it is what it is. So we got a few things to get into today. I was trying to do a live on uh, Instagram at the same time, but it says poor connection, so I don't think it's going to go through. Uh, yeah, it keeps trying to go in and out. So I guess that didn't work. Let me just get rid of that. Anyway, but we are broadcasting on innerlightradio.com as well as YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitch, and Twitter. So I hope you are able to join us from a good place. Shout out to uh, a couple of brothers in here. What's up, V? What's up, Barry? We got Roaring Sun in here. Greg, what's going on? You know, got a few of the brothers in here coming through already. Brotherly Love, what's going on? Ishmael, what's up, AB? War child, what's up? All right, got a few people in here already. Shout out to AKs and Curtains for the support out the gate. Kiel, what's going on? Um, Hawk TV, what's up? 
Brotherly Love. What's up, Damon? Appreciate that support, man. Uh, where is uh, War Child? Welcome to the uh, Onyx Brotherhood. Yeah, welcome. Good to have you. What's up, Donnie? Ibrahim? You know, MLR. Good to see you as usual. Brandon, appreciate that support, man. Saw you earlier over uh, Dr. Ronald Neal's. If you guys haven't been checking him, please do so. Drop the fire uh, piece today. And uh, if you're not familiar, also go check uh, Green Gorilla. He just dropped uh, a lo-fi, uh, you know, live that's pretty tight. Go over to the Green Gorilla channel and check that. Put that on in the background while you're doing your thing. You will not regret it, right? So that's what's up. We got a few things. Now, today on my Wednesday lives, um, these will be the days more often than not where I'll bring people up, you know, to talk about the topic. So, you know, I will likely do that today. Because I got a feeling that people have an opinion or two on this matter. Nevertheless, in the meantime, if you have not done so, support the Onyx Report. You can do so in a number of ways. You can become a member through YouTube. And there's various membership levels. You can go to Patreon and you can support there as a monthly patron as well. You can also become a patron for both the Onyx Report and the Institute for Black Male Studies. You can support both with a once a month donation. So consider doing that as well. Or you can do a super chat or the like here on YouTube. We also have Patreon, Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo, so y'all know the deal. Support the channel, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. It is what it is. This is what we need to do to keep independent black male media going and developing so we can advance, we can evolve and grow uh, and give you an unvarnished black male opinion that doesn't cater to marketers or the industry. So... That's what we need to do. All right. Let's see. We've got a few more people to thank already. Shout out to Barry for that support. Shout out to T-Mac. Says, uh, man, I be binge watching this channel, bro. We need more black male scholars devoted to us. <laughs> Much appreciation, man. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, this is coming along. We're getting it together slowly but surely, y'all. Uh, we are. Anyway, so we're going to jump right in and, you know, I wanted to start with a little bit of a public service announcement. These I treat as fairly random as they uh, kind of cross my desk. But uh, I thought, you know what? This one is probably worth sharing just so we're not completely caught unaware. So this here, if you can see it, is from the Law and Crime uh, website, lawandcrime.com. And it reads, Kentucky pediatrician with Disney-themed office charged with hiring undercover FBI agent to murder her husband. Yeah. Again, public service announcement. Don't get it twisted. I was telling you guys, and I've been saying this for years, if you read over uh, at uh, the Myth of Male Power uh, text that I you know, read uh, years ago uh, by Warren Farrell, he talks about this. And he says that actually when it comes to assassinating husbands, it's usually money, you know, monetary, right? There's usually an insurance claim to be taken into consideration. Um, but the other thing is, he said, there's a difference in how women approach it. He said, uh, poor women, you know, tend to use sex to manipulate other men into doing the, the deed of eliminating their husbands. He, she, he said, wealthier women tend to use money. They hire people. Well, this is a clear example of what he's talking about, right? So this is a pediatrician, as it says, who hired 
an FBI agent to do this. So this is Louisville, Kentucky area pediatrician has been charged with hiring a hitman who turned out to be an undercover FBI agent to kill her husband. Jail records say that Dr. Stephanie M. Russell, 51, was booked into the Oldham County Detention Center on Thursday at 5.40 p.m. The U.S. Department of Justice said Russell was charged with using interstate commerce facilities to commit murder for hire. Let me see. The date of this was May 21st. Now, the other reason I wanted to read it is sometimes I'll get pushback and people will say things like, well, that's just ratchet ghetto behavior. That's just that's just what, you know, uh, poor black women do. First of all, all of that is inaccurate. That is not limited to poor people and it is not limited to black folk. This is what it is. Uh, shout out to Mike Ferguson for that support. Appreciate that. You know, this is white collar pediatrician. You know what I mean? This is what it is. So it continues. ABC affiliate WHAS described Russell as a doctor in prospects affluent <laughs> Norton Commons neighborhood who worked at a practice called Kids Life Pediatrics. Medical Office's uh, website boasts Disney-themed fonts and promises patients with amenities such as live Finding Nemo fish tank and a fun Disney theme throughout. The office bears a prospect Kentucky address that is in the Northern Norton Commons development. Oof, man. So here's how the DOJ described the incident which led to the charges. According to court records on May 15, 2022, Stephanie Russell, 52, contacted someone she believed she was hiring to murder her ex-husband, the individual she contacted to murder her ex-husband was an FBI undercover employee. Russell uh, ultimately agreed to pay $7,000 to the UCE in exchange for murdering her ex-husband. On May 18, 2022, Russell placed $3,500 outside of her medical office in a drop box as half of the payment. She agreed to pay the other half once the murder took place. The FBI arrested Russell on May 19th. Um, she made an initial appearance on uh, Friday at 11.45 a.m. before a magistrate judge in the Western District of Kentucky. She's due for a preliminary examination and a detention hearing on Tuesday, May 24th. Uh, the charges could carry a sentence of up to 10 years in a federal prison, but it is rare for federal defendants, if they are convicted, to receive maximum sentences. There is no parole in the federal system, prosecutors noted. And you can see some of that there. So citing family court records, um, Louisville NBC affiliate Wave said Russell had been accused of attempting to hire a hitman at least one other time. At least one other time. <laughs> God damn, what does it take to put rich white women in jail? I'm just curious. What exactly does it take? What's up, Malika? Good to see you in here, man. <laughs> It ain't going to wish white women don't go to jail for nothing, boy. I swear. <laughs> Court documents show Russell and her ex-husband have been in a custody battle over their two children for at least two years. In 2020, a judge ruled Russell should lose custody of her children after a guardian ad litem or a person chosen by a judge to represent children in court accused Russell of coaching her children, causing emotional harm and attempting to hire a hitman to kill her ex-husband in May 2018. <laughs> Russell's defense attorney reportedly called those accusations preposterous and in turn sued the judge who levied them. <laughs> the report said the judge gave temporary full custody of the two children to Russell's husband. Uh, Wave did not identify Russell's attorney by name. The st state-level court docket, which appears to be connected to that family dispute, suggested a court trial of some type was scheduled in to begin on July 21st. 
uh, in Jefferson County, Bluegrass State's rudimentary public online court docket affords no further details and does not provide the name of Russell's attorney. Okay. Federal case file connected to Russell arrest, Russell's arrest this week has not yet been made public on a federal court database. Therefore, it is unclear who may be representing her uh, in the murder for hire matter. One area father told WHAS that Russell's uh, arrest spurred him to attempt to pick up his children's medical records and to immediately locate a new pediatrician. <laughs> the father, Lance Dooley, told ABC affiliate that Russell had been his, doc his daughter's doctor for six years and that the murder for hire accusations were freaky. <laughs> but, you know, if nothing else, that should show you, you know, uh, when it comes to this type of murder, you know, again, usually over some type of insurance issue, usually over a money of some sort, uh, you know, not surprisingly tied to some type of divorce or family matter. You know, women can be very strategic, very practical when it comes to that. It is what it is. You know what I mean? So being shocked about it. <laughs> The irony is she probably was a pretty good pediatrician and nothing to do with it. <laughs> but nevertheless, this is what it is. Um, this money drop-offs were happening right around the corner. He said that freaks us out. It's one of those things you don't expect. Yeah, because she went from treating kid, sipping a, a, a cup of coffee, talking with some people she worked with, walked around the corner and dropped $3,500 in a box. And Smooth probably went back to work. That's, you know, the fact that people are surprised that folks can be that coolly um, you know, disconnected in that way. It's not surprising, unfortunately. Dooley wasn't able to obtain the records. The doors of Russell's office were repeatedly locked and a sign on the door said the office was closed. Wow. A medical license search shows uh, Russell's home practice area as Jefferson County. So it goes on from there. Then they have the DOJ press release. I'll put this in the uh, description at the end of the show, but I nevertheless wanted you be aware again this is a public service announcement don't ever get it twisted poor middle class well-to-do upper class it's all possible so just wanted to put that out there <laughs> and hope you didn't you didn't forget um <laughs> since she did it once before damn what's up akotechi what's going on freddie what's happening you know this stuff just it just keeps coming man <laughs> okay, AB says, look up Tommy Lynn Sitch, a.k.a. Sonny. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Uh, Y'all tell me, man. I mean, we see this stuff every day, but sometimes we just got to, you know, we got to let, let each other know. You know, don't, don't forget, this is all on the table, especially as things get more and more difficult. You never know what pressure does to people's decision making. Shout out to BGS in the chat. Always good to see the brother. Cleveland. What's going on, Jay Cleveland? Good to have you. Right. So anyway, girl, just wanted you guys to know, don't ever, don't ever sleep. This stuff is happening. <laughs> oh my goodness. What does it take? Shit. All right. So let's get to it. So y'all see what it is. You see what it is. The cost of ignoring Ronnie's. So this is the thing. I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine and, you know, she was talking about her kids and we kind of, you know, we're going back and forth, just kind of chopping it up about that. 
she has a daughter and a son and uh you know i could hear all of the excitement about all the things her daughter was getting into and uh you know her son you know she wasn't negative about she just wasn't as excited you know he's good and you could you know she she loves her kids i'm not going to take that from her but i clearly noticed the difference and how she talked about them, the energy in her voice, all of that. And so at one point, she started talking about how her, you know, her daughter was, uh, you know, learning the pronouns that are popular now, and she can articulate what her pronouns are and why she chose them. And I want to say they're both under, because they're twins. So I think they're about seven or eight right now. And so, you know, the daughter can talk about uh, all of that. She never mentioned the son. She said he had a learning disorder, but he's a really good kid, loving heart, and all of that was all well and good. But then she went into this whole thing about the politics of abortion, you know, feminist politics and what, what's happening, where things are. And, you know, she went back into pronouns. And I just asked her, I said, uh, just out of curiosity, you've gone on and you've talked about this extensively in regard to your daughter and pronouns. Where do you think your son fits in all of that? seven-year-old boy, Aquateki, appreciate that cash out, thank you, who for all intents and purposes, as far as we know, is heterosexual, you know, typical little boy, likes to play, likes to rough house, enjoys dinosaurs, you know, it is what it is. My question was, where does he fit in all of this pronoun stuff? She said, well, I don't understand what you mean. I said, well, you, you know, you've talked to me about how excited you are all of this where does your son fit in this discussion she was telling me about all the friends she's having that you know she has that are you know in all kinds of interesting and diverse types of relationships from straight relationships to homosexual relationships and this is primarily among women how many of the kids are familiar with different family styles and she mostly talked about daughters and multiple mothers she never mentioned sons so, so what exactly do you think that means? What does that say for a generation of boys who are virtually forgotten in many respects? I mean, whether we're talking about K through 12 education, uh, the graduate graduation rates for boys uh, compared to girls, how much is being done about it? How much is even talked about? I contend that many of the boys are virtually forgotten about. But even in the conversation about pronouns, there's all kinds of excitement when it comes to gender identifications that overly relate or just relate uh, to a great extent with ideas about femaleness. Now, what do I mean? Well, it's, it's, it's all the road, the rage right now to be they, of course, she is always, you know, well appreciated, you know, and then when you start breaking down all the various sexualities and whatnot, you know, it's cool to be LGBT IQ and all of that's well and good. But what about your boys? I mean, even if you talk about trans, here's the interesting thing. If I ask you, if I say trans, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Most people, when I ask them that question, think about someone who was biologically born male and has transitioned into being a female. Virtually, I, I, I rarely, even in media, do I hear about, you know, trans, those who were biologically born female, or is it female to male? Don't hear about them very much. The standard interpretation for trans in many respects in public mainstream media is usually male to female. Anything that identifies with the feminine is lauded. 
that which identifies with the man with the masculine lauded mainly to the extent that it's still connected to the feminine what do i mean well you don't generally hear about uh, female to male, male trans competing in male sports not something you hear very much about but to the extent that you do hear about them you know there's usually this underlying you know kind of idea that it's important because this was a woman this was a female that is able to now be with the boys transition into masculinity in some way shape or form and then you quickly move on to it but most of the time whether we're talking about um lesbians whether we're talking about gay men whether we're talking about uh trans women or whether we're talking about straight women it's this over identification with the feminine that seems to have all of our attention even in popular movies and films and television shows one of the things we see on a repeated basis is the rise of women which in and of itself i have no problem with but it's usually at the expense of the image of men men are stupid men are get men get beat up they're outsmarted they're less mature all of these kind of narratives are still in place and the only time they're exonerated or redeemed is if they can identify with the feminine the feminine becomes the barometer for their maturity for their intelligence for their capacity to love other people it's all measured through how well they mimic the feminine in whatever form it comes shout out to gracious greatness appreciate that support we'll get to that <laughs> we'll get to that we can get to that so you know i asked her about her son because i was curious about what she thought about all of these discussions going on around gender sexuality and how her boy plays into it and the reality is it never crossed her mind she said i actually hadn't thought about that i said if you haven't thought about it do you think anybody else has how much dialogue do you think there is most particularly for young heterosexual boys about what their experience is and where they're supposed to fit. And then I began to tell her about this recent piece that many are familiar with. Hold on one second. Always a nice little technical issue, but luckily I think this one is fairly manageable. Bear with me for a quick second and I will bring it up. There we go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Pop, 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 pop. Usually like to have this stuff out of the way, but this is what it is. All right. So many of us are familiar with the issue in the news the last couple of weeks of LeBron James, his 17-year-old son, Bronny, who went to his prom. And here he is pictured with his prom date, um, Caucasian young lady named Peyton Gelfuso. And uh, social media was ablaze. People were all kinds of livid, all kinds of frustrated. You know, celebrities weighed in. And this is not the first time Bronny has set things off. I think he's had conversations in the past about kind of girls he's interested in and you know there was all kinds of frustration because he didn't identify black women as you know the group he wanted to primarily deal with and that came up again although to my knowledge he didn't say too much this time around it was just the pictures in and of themselves that caused a lot of the uproar shared some photos of himself and his prom date on instagram on wednesday i'm looking at an article dated may 19th entitled LeBron James's 17-year-old son Bronny is trolled with vile racist abuse for taking a white girl to his high school prom after sharing photos of the couple heading to the event 
in a custom $326,000 Mercedes. And I will say that Mercedes was nice. It was nice. Didn't know it was 300 plus thousand, but it was still nice either way. But it wasn't for this time for anything he said. Right? And what I was, the reason I connected these two, the conversation I was having and this issue with Bronnie, and the reason I brought it up to her about it is because I was basically telling her that even her son and LeBron James's son share a context. And I'm saying this as a father, right? When I'm talking about young men of this era, young black men in this time period, they're virtually forgotten, especially in regard to their gender experience, when it comes to dating, when it comes to mating, their interests. Shout out to Dr. Thunder. What's going on, man? They're virtually not talked about. They're ignored. Except when they make a decision that isn't appreciated. So I told her, I said, you're dealing right now with a young generation of what we might call brownies. You know, like LeBron James's son. Young black men who are responding to virtually being ignored in some respects. Now, I've told you guys repeatedly over the years, up until the age of 13 and 14, and, and honestly, I keep forgetting to ask my son for an update, but the last time I asked him, he, he was somewhere between 13 and 14. I think he was about 13. And I asked him, had he ever seen a boy or a male beat a female or a girl at anything in media? He said, no. Not cartoons, not videos, nothing that he had con he consumed on a regular basis had he seen that. And by the time he got to, it was the, the summer after eighth grade, you know, that transition before they started high school, right? And he was going to the little summer program they had. And in that program, you know, they took classes, they learned the lay of the land of the campus, how to get around, all that good stuff. I asked them about, you know, him and his friends. And whether or not they dated or, you know, talked to the little, you know, black girls or whatever. And he was like, oh, no. Oh, no, we don't do that. Now, I kind of knew what he was getting at because I remember my generation, we had the same conversations, but we were raised. I was a child of a panther. So, we, you know, there was still an identification with blackness in a very particular way. There was still a sense of race loyalty in a very particular way. Right. I was born in the 70s, different time. So the hostilities, the difficulties, you know, the lack of respect. We experienced those things when I was a kid, too. I came out of the Bay Area. The Bay Area, it was in California. You know, it, you know, people get brothers getting with different types of women was like national base. The pastime was like baseball. It was what it was. But there was still this sense, this tie to black women. I would venture to say. My son's generation does not have that. And people assume it's because we didn't try to put the, you know, instill that in them. But it's more than that. They live in a different context, a different era. They've actually seen and witnessed firsthand the dysfunction in relationships over time. They've seen it. But more than that, they go to school with the you know, uh, with with the outpouring of that on, to a different degree. I mean, I've gone to my son's schools and I've watched the behavior of the girls. And he said it for me. He articulated it for me. He said, they're mean, extremely so. And that's when they like you. He said, it's even worse when they don't. And, you know, as far as he's concerned, just a video game playing kid, got some friends, 
Doesn't mean any harm. Doesn't want any drama with nobody. His generation is at a point where a lot of them don't see it. So the, the, the thrust of this show, the cost of ignoring brownies, what it has to do with is what is the cost? Because we don't pay attention until they make a decision that folks don't like. Nobody cared about LeBron James's son until he started talking about dating and mating, even years ago as an even younger kid. And the only time I've heard his name since then is in his prom pictures. Now, personally, this used to be something I had some fire for and used to be passionate about. But after a certain point, I'm like, look, I don't give a damn where you find your happiness. I really can't afford to care because I've known too many brothers that stayed in jacked up marriages and relationships for the sake of the community and got nothing back. No understanding, no empathy, no peace, no respect. And I'm not talking about brothers who didn't deserve it. I'm talking about stand-up brothers who were providers, who led families, or at least attempted the hell out of doing so, who loved their children, who sacrificed for the well-being of those around them, and still were treated like they were an annoyance, or at best, an accessory. There was no built-in respect for men, or what men do, no matter how much they do it. And I've seen those brothers go monk. I've seen those brothers go international. I've seen those brothers go interracial. I've seen them go, you know, cross-cultural. I've seen them take every conceivable step to find what they deem to be happiness. And I'll tell you, the majority of them that went international or interracial were not thrilled to do it. I think on Obsidian's show years ago, he once talked, he called, they once described it as the long, slow walk. And that's what I noticed with these brothers. It was a long, slow walk. They didn't want to do it. They were waiting for somebody to give them a reason not to. One brother is my best friend in college. He dated no less than 75 women, African-American black women. Light-skinned cat, he could pretty much pull anything he wanted. And he did. I witnessed it on several occasions, several an occasion. That was before he got serious about trying to find a wife. And eventually, after, like I said, over 75 different attempts from an undergrad through adulthood, one day he was teaching elementary school at the time. He jumped on a plane, went to Brazil, came back, packed up all his shit, went back to Brazil and stayed. Next time I saw him, he came back with a Brazilian wife. Now she looks, you know, real lovely, lovely woman inside and out. Beautiful spirit. You know, guy is cool as hell. Um, indigenous, you know, and her, you know, when you see her, that's the first thing that came to mind for me. She looked indigenous, you know, um, but it wasn't. And, it, and this was before the rise of the manosphere. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't he didn't you know, make this grandiose gesture and state his issues with black women. He didn't do none of that. He just dated as many as he could. And he came to his own conclusion that he couldn't find functional, a functional dynamic. So he stopped. He didn't argue about it. He didn't debate about it. He didn't get on social media and, and, and make grand statements. He jumped on a plane. And here's the thing. They're still happy to this day. Beautiful son. You know what I'm saying? Happy. I can't fault him. 
The thing about it, and I've said this a hundred times, when I came out of my marriage, when my wife passed, I looked around, majority of my boys were international, whether they were married in long-term relationships or they were just single and they liked to explore. All of them were international. And it was never a coordinated thing. They didn't talk to each other. It wasn't a conference they attended. Nobody wrote a book and read it. They didn't have discussion sessions where they planned this. There was no manosphere in place for them to do it. None of it had anything to do with an orchestrated plan. All of them, to a man, sought peace and love. That was it. Now, these are grown men I'm talking about who are now close to their 50s, if not in their 50s. When you start talking about the younger generation, you start talking about, you know, kids that are anywhere from seven to 17 or boys. Just for the sake of this conversation, I'm calling them brownies. What is the cost of ignoring what they think? Whether it has to do with everything from pronouns to school to dating, even at their age to any of that. How many conversations do you guys see taking place? How many television shows, films, talk shows that even even ask the question, what do young black boys and young men think about all that's going on around them? Does anyone care about what they think? We hear about girls. We hear about women. We hear about LGBT. We hear about all the plans and ideas and programs and grants and all the exciting things that are going on. All the various different, you know, sexual orientations. Young black heterosexual boys. And I'm not even talking about, you know, um, you know, because we did have that conversation in my generation and it was mostly about gang activity and drug dealing. That's not what I'm talking about. Regular, everyday young black boys. Does anybody give a damn about what they think? What I contend is that nobody seems to until they make a decision that people don't like. And this is what I was telling my friend. I said, the degree to which you don't even know how your son feels about any of this stuff that you're jumping up and down with excitement to talk about with your daughter is a statement unto itself. The fact that you haven't even asked the question, the fact that you haven't even imagined what he's dealing with, and that's not to say things are bad for him, but you have no sense whatsoever what his thought process is but you're excited as hell about all the possibilities for your daughter because of all the things you see her getting into. Your son is almost secondary in how you even talk about him. Even in how you talk about it. And I don't question that you love him. There's no verve, there's no excitement. And you haven't even asked him half the questions you've asked her about what she thinks about the world. Even when you tell me stories, knowing that I'm a, I am the premier black masculinist in the sense that I define the term, it doesn't even cross your mind to even lead with the good foot forward by telling me what's going on with him. You tell me stories about him almost as a secondary thought. And if you're doing that with me and you know I'm an advocate for black boys, what does that mean in everyday conversation? Does he even come up? And what is the cost of not thinking about how they're living, how they're perceiving the world, how they're experiencing things? We're seeing all these new kinds of family dynamics being developed and pulled together and kids are taught to expect it, to deal with it, to understand it, to accept it, all of that great stuff. And in as much as they may be doing those very things, you still don't actually delve into what their experiences are 
and how their perspective is, is shaping in response to those experiences. Not until they make a decision you don't like. Whether it's about who they're going to date, who they're going to marry, whether or not they even want to, you know, it doesn't matter. I hear more acceptance for, was it Dwayne Wade's son than I do about heterosexual black boys? What are the costs of ignoring brownies? These young boys. That's, it's one of the things that's also tied into why the manosphere even exists. Why black male studies even exists. Black men and boys are responding to their environment in part due to our abstraction, our alienation, our expected silence, conversations that we're not supposed to be a part of. The only time you can really talk about black males today is if you've been killed. You're a black male that's died, especially in an unjust fashion, or if you took someone else's life. Those are the only times you really can know. Maybe a little bit about incarceration, but short of that, not really. You dunk a ball well, run it across a line well, maybe then. Make a few million dollars, marry a woman people don't think you should be married to, or maybe die as a celebrity athlete and leave your money to a woman that isn't black. Maybe they'll talk about you then. But short of that, not really a, a substantive conversation for black men. Not really. And Donnie makes an interesting point in the chat. He says, wait until they're eligible to vote. Yeah. You might find a generation of young men that you don't even know. But you think you know. And if you stay oblivious too long, <laughs> you might have a grandchild brought to your house that you really didn't see coming. That don't look nothing like what you thought he should or she should look like. My point simply is there is a cost. And in the silence. Expected of black males, the cost might be fairly great for you, depending on what your values are. All these boys that are deep off in the video game culture. Again, had a conversation with my son. I said, hey, man, you'll be a senior next year. You know what you want to do for your prom? He's like, I don't want to go to that shit. What? Don't want to do prom. Don't want to do grad night. Don't care about none of that. He and his boys just play video games. And they're happy. Well, I'm going to say. Make him go. He don't want to go. They don't want to go. They don't share any of those sensibilities that many of us think are fairly standard for teenage life. No. They're absolutely good. And they're, and they're quality relationships. I can't, you know, my son was in bed for about three or four days last week. One of his boys rolled up to the house and, and, brought, <laughs> and brought him a soda and some watermelon <laughs> from, the, from the store. I was like, what the fuck? Why are people bringing you watermelon? What? He was like, oh, well, he was sick last month and I brought him something. Told him, I, I hope he gets better. I said, man, that's tight. My boys and I, we didn't really do that. You were sick. Yeah, I see your ass when you get better. It was the end. <laughs> but, they, you know, they have deep, substantive relationships with each other, but whole different sensibility. And I find so many people ignore them. And what, what, what they actually believe, what the developing political worldview is. Even their, their ideas about activism. 
you know, you have some that are that are interested in, in participating in, act, in activism, but nobody really has conversations about them with them about the realities of being black male and activist. Is it different from other groups? Do you stand a greater risk in the streets protesting than others? But you're not supposed to talk about that, right? You're supposed to, it's, it's all supposed to be the same for everybody because it's all a risk. We're all out there challenging the system. Word, it's a risk for everybody the same way. That's not what I found to be the case. And many of these young boys are experiencing it. They're witnessing it. They're having conversations about it, but they're also listening to older black men in media. And they're relating the experiences they're having going back to elementary school in some instances, going back to watching you know, family relationships play out, arguments, divorces, new marriages, new kids. They're watching all of this shit. And they're developing their own opinions about it, whether you like it or not. What's up, Officer Faulkner? Charles in the house. What's up, Blade Runner? Kind of randomly glancing glancing at the chat. Mawato, what's going on, man? Good to see you in here. Aquatechi, what's up? Astronite, appreciate that support. Says, I'd rather get married to a woman for happiness than to get married out of fear. I ain't mad at you. That's real. That is absolutely real. But I'm not saying that it has to be a nefarious thing. I'm simply saying that at the end of the day, not listening comes at a price. But let's go through a little bit of what's been shared so we can at least have a context to talk about this from. So you know what I mean when I talk about a brownie. Right. So I'm going to use LeBron James's son as a kind of an archetype, if you will. Let's leave some of the bullet points. LeBron Raymond Bronny James Jr., eldest son of the basketball legend, shared some photos of himself and his prom date to Instagram on Wednesday. Bronny, who is a junior, same age as my son. My son will be 17 this summer. God damn. I'm sorry. 17, man. As cliche as it sounds, the shit is real. I remember changing his diapers like last week. Now he's 17. When I think about the shit I was doing at 17, I don't need anyway. So anyway, Bronny, who was a junior, attended the dance with one of his Sierra Canyon school classmates, senior Peyton Gelfuso. He wore a blue and black patterned tuxedo with blue suede shoes while she wore a white dress. You tell me what she thinking about. Some social media users were not happy with his decision to take some who is someone who is light skinned to prom. One person called Peyton a money hungry white girl, while another accused her of being a gold digger. Others said they were disappointed in the basketball player for not bringing uh, someone with his own skin color. Sierra Canyon School costs around 40000 a year and was previously attended by uh, Kylie and Kendall Jenner. In the wake of the backlash against Bronny's prom photos, alleged photos of his dad, LeBron, attending his own prom with a white woman have resurfaced online. LeBron slammed the NFL in December 2018 for being a being run by a bunch of old white men with slave mentality and was accused of racism by former president donald trump right so the kid gets trolled for who he chooses to date another picture of him here not a light-skinned woman already one i wrote one person while another added well on the bright side lebron has more kids maybe they'll do better wow wow That's the response. More pictures. I ain't mad at the shoes. 
course, the 300 plus thousand dollar Mercedes. You know what I mean? I got my son a Honda. Hey, it is what it is. Shit. Ooh, it's clean. The boy is clean. I give him that. What's up, Queen Khalila? Good to see you in here. Prodigy, what's going on? Hybrid, good to see you. Yeah. Vincent, what's up? Yeah. Boy is clean. You know. That girl is white. <laughs> She's whiter than white. <laughs> Four tweets red. Should have got, got a black queen like his dad. See, this is what I mean when I talk about ignoring. Because the ignoring also, I'm also referring to the judgment that's kind of tied in. And yet, you don't understand very much about these boys at all. Why? Because in many instances, you never bothered to pay a damn about what they think and why. Why they make the choices they make. What fed into that. You make assumptions about what it is. We don't ask. This is not an overnight process. What took place? What did he experience? Is it just that he went to an elite school? Maybe. Are there other factors? Right? Of course, one of the debates that took place after that, one you guys are familiar with, of course, Dr. Umar Johnson came out, made some comments about LeBron James based off of his son's uh, prom date choice. And of course, his own when he was, uh, you know, went to his prom in high school. And Umar, of course, had some critical things to say. Taking to Instagram, Dr. Umar reposted a meme showing a photo of Bronny and his prom date. And a caption that read, no disrespect, but yo, LeBron, I thought you were an activist. The meme also had a picture of a white bunny, which is in reference to the slang phrase, snow bunny describing a white girl. Then the game jumped in and the game said, Literally a child in his prom date. LeBron made it out of the mud to provide a better life for his children. And if his son wants to go to the prom with some of it, someone of any race, he can. It's his child. And evidently, both parents from both sides are fine with it. Kids are and will always be off limits. Worry about yours. Um, you know, N-words always got some something to project on others, but be scared to look in the mirror at themselves. No disrespect, then disrespects. Shaking my head. But see, this is part and parcel to what I'm talking about. All of the critique, all of the dismissal, very little attempts to understand. Mr. Mister, appreciate that support. It is highly suspect that grown women are worried about an underage boy's prom date uh, whom is not their own son. If men did this, they would not be allowed within a certain distance of schools and be registered in a database. That's an interesting question. Is there a gender difference in any of this? Well, you guys tell me. So this is a recent photo. This was, These were uh, on Twitter as well as Instagram. If I'm not mistaken, I do believe this was a prom date as well. Young black woman, you know, young white boy. Right, several pictures. I'm only going to show a couple. Here's another. Yeah. Brandon, what's up, Doc? Good to see you in here. He says, thanks for telling my story, Doc. I attended a private school and have similar photos. Afterwards, I went to an HBCU, SYSBM. Shout out to Dr. Gamble. I hear you. All right. Let's, see, let's look at another one. Same girl. 
Now, if you're not familiar with the gentleman who's hugging her, that is her father. And if I'm not mistaken, that is actor Omar Epps. And that is his daughter. Right? Did y'all hear any smoke for her? You tell me. She get the treatment from Dr. Uh, Umar. Did black women go off in her on her in public? Criticize her dating choices for her prom? Castigate her? Talk about how much of a sellout she was? See, I'm just like, look, if you don't have that kind of attitude, why don't we seem to have it consistently? No smoke for her. And here's the thing. I'm not saying she should have smoke. I'm not saying Ronnie should. Actually, I'm at a point where I'm like, look, I'm 47 years old. If anything, that's taught me happiness. You know, first of all, it doesn't come from outside of you. That's the one thing. But to the extent that you want to build relationships of substance, finding people to do so is not easy. People of quality is not easy. Again, 47. I've been around the block a few times. I've been married. I've had long-term relationships. I've had short-term relationships. I've had one-night stands. I've had stands that don't, that don't even count as a night. I've had, you know, relationships that went on for a couple of years. Some went on for a few months. I've, I've done all of that. And what I can tell you is finding people of substance to have deep, meaningful relationships is not an easy thing to do. And for black men, it's it can be extremely difficult, especially if you confine yourself in a very particular way. And yet, within our community, not address the role misandry plays and how men are treated. So if you're going to be oblivious to misandry and then still tell black boys that they need to primarily date black girls and women, that is a punishment I will no longer subject any other brother to. If you're not going to address the role misandry plays, you can't tell me shit. My, po my point at this, the point I'm at, the place I'm at at this point in my life, you find it where you find it, goddammit. And if you find it being monk, then hats off to you. I don't care at this point. My priority is urging black men and boys to seek that peace out. Because life is so much better at peace. We're at war in every context I can fucking think of. And y'all want to castigate 17-year-old boys based on who the fuck they go to the prom with? Are you serious? But y'all ain't got nothing to say to her. How different is this than when we were talking about Venus and who she married? How different? She get a lot of smoke? Were black men, you know, frustrated and cussing her out at every turn, talking shit about her because of who she married? I don't even remember the chick who married the prince. You know, I don't follow celebrities that well. I do my best because subject matter tends to be stuff we're talking about. But at the end of the day, I really don't. I really don't care for celebrities to any great extent. I'm not mad at them. Just it is what it is. But they raise their lives do raise certain issues because people are talking about it. And it really has more to do with people's values than the celebrities themselves. Nobody asks why Bronny does what he does. What are his experiences? Nobody asked what her experiences were, but you project onto her that is cool. And she deserves no pushback and no critique. But we good with that, right? That's acceptable. It's ridiculous. Let them kids be kids. 
really want to have a quality discussion about it, call me when you're actually willing to place misandry on the table seriously and not as something to mock or ignore. Because the reality is when you're talking about black men, this is one of the major issues we have to deal with and we have to think about, even if you've never heard the word misandry before. I've talked about this. I talked about this on Dennis Sperling's show uh, yesterday or the day before, I think it was. I can't remember when. No, I think it was yesterday. Anyway, called me out the blue. We were in the show talking about it, talking about relationships and black men. I'm like, look, I know brothers who are in their 60s right now, hardcore revolutionary Pan-Africanists that will argue you under the table about interracial relationships. And you ask them, where are your wife from? South Africa. You know, Ghana, Nigeria, Uganda, all over the place. Jamaica, the Dominican, Brazil. And here's the thing. I'm not mad about that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is that those brothers know what the fuck we're talking about. They've lived it. I've been in many a conversation, many a... A, a, a group conversation with hardcore pro-black brothers. I'm, I mean, I'm out of Africana studies. I went to Temple, the home of Afrocentricity. I teach Africana studies. These are the brothers I've been around for decades. And when you get behind closed doors and have some real conversations, not one of them doesn't know what the fuck this is. Now, what they're willing to talk about publicly is a whole different matter. But they're willing to say in a job interview when it's a collection of black feminists on the on the hiring table who are trying to decide if they get hired or not, that's a whole different thing. But behind closed doors with a beer in them, oh, they'll tell you stories. And here's the thing. When you're talking about young scholars in particular, and by young, I mean anywhere from 20 to 50, young black male scholars, most of the time they were intellectuals, meaning that often they were treated as nerds. They were, I mean, I know brothers who are accomplished scholars in their mid thirties, but women treated them like they wasn't shit because they were intellectuals and these are cats with master's degrees and doctorates and they were still treated like shit one woman told me years ago she said unless you're an entertainer an athlete which i think consider the same right a doctor or a lawyer or under the table a successful drug dealer you're virtually invisible to a whole portion a whole uh, uh, cadre of women so what do those brothers do? They exercise their options elsewhere. They didn't give it a hashtag. They didn't talk about it. They just exercise their options elsewhere. And they have lovely wives and girlfriends. I know, man, don't get me started. I am not trying to call names because some of these brothers are just trying to live. But I'm telling you, this is a real issue. And this is not one I enjoy. I don't enjoy this. I'm not talking about this to malign Black women, American-born black women at that, or I should say ADO. I'm not doing this to malign them because I enjoy the shit. No, I don't. I don't. I have family. I had a daughter. I had a daughter. 2000. We lost three pregnancies. My daughter was the second. She died in the womb and had to be born. She had to be delivered, I should say. Nearly six months, around six months. She was, you know. But here's the thing, when you talk about a father, 
and I can only say this as a, as a father, I can't say this as a mother because we have a very different relationship. We don't produce a body within our bodies. It's different. But as a father, when you see your lady with that belly getting bigger and you feel it moving, you know what I mean? And you're talking to it, you're playing music, you're singing, you're imagining what's going to come up, come about from this, what he or she is going to be like, trying to decide if you even want to know the gender. When you're going through that entire process of imagining and that imagination is, is supported by this life that's growing, it's a powerful thing. And the first time and only time I held her, she was already gone. And I held her. She came out. It got to the point where they had to induce labor because my wife would have died unless they did so. So they had to induce the labor and I held her. Now for me, what that meant among other things was that was my daughter. I had ideas about what she would be like, what she would look like, what she would sound like, what she would do in life. I don't have animosity for black women because they exist. I have frustration about the cultural framework, the cultural milieu that we are in for boys and girls that frames black males as lesser beings, where I see grown black women treating their boys like secondary familial citizens. I see it in marriages. I see it in relationships. I see it in school kids that are just going to school together. I see it in how teachers treat black male students. This dismissal and, and diminishment of black boys and men. And it frustrates me no end to, to no end because it's rooted in the inhumanity. The, the, it's, there's a deeply invested idea that these young boys are not fucking human. And I take issue with that and it hurts my heart. So when I say, I want those brothers to find happiness wherever they found it, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that they need to find it internationally or they need to find it interracially. I'm saying they need to find it. And if you're the best thing for him and you can actually bring that kind of uh, peace and joy to a relationship, beautiful. But when I start talking to black men all over the ideological spectrum, all over the life experience spectrum, all over the, the occupation spectrum, the geography spectrum, the color spectrum from light to dark, the poor to wealthy. What I find to be one of the most consistent features for many of those black men in regard to relationships is they don't find a basic level of respect. And the funny thing is I hear people, I even heard a speech from Malcolm X earlier today. You know, the more man you are, the more female, the more feminine she'll be. Okay, I've heard that. But from the weakest to the strongest, I've seen brothers go through shit in relationships that make no goddamn sense. And it has nothing to do with them being weak in the slightest. Because part of what I'm dealing with is something baked into our culture as it relates to black men and boys. And it goes beyond your individual performance of masculinity. 
You can't make enough money to earn your way out of that shit. You can't macho thump your chest enough to earn to get out of that shit. It has been passed down from grandmother to mother to daughter to granddaughter. And it's been passed to the boys as well. It just presents differently. Some boys fall into their roles and play out the scenario they've been introduced to and told this is what they are. Some boys rebel against it. Now, coming back to the brownie. Sometimes brownies are boys that don't want to play out the scenario that they've been taught. Right? They're supposed to be lesser beings. No. Sometimes even at a young age, they see the drama and they go the other way. I'm telling you. Sitting down and having a conversation with my son and his friends. You know, this is the same knuckleheads that a few years ago, they were in third and fourth grade. But hell, by the time they're in ninth and 10th, I'm listening to these young men. Young men who are making decisions out of logic and reason based on what's, you know, presented to them. And the repercussions of that for the, the community may not go the way you think. And what do I look like telling them to go find something and just hope that she treats you well because you've got to live up to that velvet painting. This is something I talked about a couple of years ago. The velvet painting is not enough. The 70s era velvet painting of black love. Many of my generation sought to live that out. At this fucking point, I am telling men, you go make your own painting wherever you can find peace. Yo, if you can find it with a beautiful ADOS woman that brings peace, then brother, I am all for it. But I'm at a place now where I don't care where you find it personally. Just find it. Even if it's just being with yourself, find it. I'm living at a point at 47 where my days are peaceful for the first time in my life. I can wake up in the morning to quiet. I can expect that throughout the day, it's going to say that stay that way. I can go to bed in the same quiet that I wake up to. And I've come to the determination that that shit is priceless. I have never been this much at peace. And I want that for brothers because we damn sure don't get it. Not by it. it, it not often. I want that. And I don't care where you get it from. And I will not allow people to be shamed, especially kids. When folks aren't even willing to have a conversation about why the fuck these kids are making the decisions they're making. It's not an accident. They're responding to perceived behavior. And not just from the girls they go to school with. In many instances, that behavior is atrocious. I've witnessed it firsthand, but they're also responding to the women they're growing up seeing. Stepmothers, mothers, grandmothers, cousins, aunties, new girlfriends, girlfriends of their fathers. You know what I mean? They're seeing this shit. Women scraping up cars, breaking out windows, cussing fathers out. They are witnessing this shit. You ready for where that goes? Have you been willing to sit down with Bronnie's and actually have a damn conversation? Not to impose your values, but to actually listen to where they're at. Hey, you can you, you can sift through, you know, the anime and you know the video games, listen to that. But more importantly, what are the values? What are the experiences? What are the worldviews that are already, you know, really more shaped than you think? 
Shout out to IDB uh, Expressions. Thanks for the support. This brother, your perspective and insight are extremely important. Ashe for calling out the foolishness. Brother Carl Tone Jones. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. Emmanuel, appreciate the contributions. As Godfather Kevin Samuel said it best, let them buy a dog and die alone for the toxic, toxic sisterhood because there is no reasoning with them. And that's part of the problem. If grown men can't reason, then what happens with kids? And shout out to AB. Maybe it was Serena, not Venus. You know, like I said, I'm not, you know, I don't stay well on celebrities. So my bad. Appreciate the calling that out. Indigo, what's going on? Dardar, what's happening? You know, this is what we're looking at. And I just want to make sure that we are giving people an opportunity to actually, you know, not only be human, but find a peace wherever the fuck they find it. And if you have an idea about where they find it, cool. But I hope you're paying attention because I don't think many are. But I'm going to drop the link. Give people an opportunity to come up. They're willing to, if they're interested in it, come up and have and, and say a few things about where your thoughts are on this. The cost of ignoring Ronnie's. Are you ready for the decisions that they're going to make? And are you going to bother to actually ask why beyond your own issues with whatever decisions they make? That it doesn't have to mean that they come home with a white girl doesn't have to mean that they advocate for some crazy off the wall politics. But what it may mean is they go a different direction than the values you think are important because they don't perceive those values as working very well for them. And if anything, all of this, uh, you know, uh, vitriol toward Bronny, Bronny himself as an individual, you think he's going to succumb to it or double down? The more animosity you bring to him, what are they more likely to do? All right. So we got the 18th letter up here. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Dr. Tia Son Johnson. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing quite well. I'm doing quite well. I can't complain. All right, man. Give us your thoughts on this. What do you think about whether or not people are listening to Bronnie's? Well, absolutely not. They're, 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 they are reacting to what they feel is a structure that has been in their advantage that he's breaking. Okay. They're, they're not listening to the, to the Bronies at all. All only thing is just that the only thing they're thinking in their minds is that you're not supposed to be with her and mm -hmm. that's it. Right. You know, so, so there's no logical, no reasoning, anything. You're not supposed to be with her. You're supposed mm -hmm. to be over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is that? Where, where does that leave him? Oh, that leaves him. That that leaves him to taking his place under, you know, the uh, matriarchy, the gynocracy. <laughs> right. Right. I hear you. Uh, I'm going to bring people in one at a time um, and do some short one on one interviews. But uh, give us any any other closing thoughts you want to give before we transition to another. Well, I just wanted to say um, a lot of what you have displayed on your channel, I've been watching and I've, I've been soaking in the knowledge because I've subconsciously been dealing with that as a child that mm. I was not, you know, privy to, you know, um, until you was able to put it into, you know, definition. And uh, 
it's about time that you know i don't i look at any if 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 i can find you know uh women within our group that's on the same page i'm all for it but if not these women are pretty much opposition they're, they're mm. opposition they they've you know adopted um a white supremacist structure when it comes to you know the feminist movement to when it comes to the the, the studies that they're putting in colleges to dissect black men as we're some type of evil monsters and creatures and you have a lot of these young women regurgitating these talking points and some of them regurgitate these talking points and they don't even know the origins of it or what, where they got it from or it's just this is this is they're thinking this because of what's you know been projected over the last 30 40 years right. so uh i think it's about time for black men to operate with black men network with black men build with black men i don't give a damn who your spouse is real talk because we because we have to we have to preserve um whatever knowledge that we have and share it amongst kids because these young boys out here are losing and they're losing rapidly and it's sad to see the young boys you know don't care about you know death don't care about dying because they feel like their life is worthless and a lot of their self-esteem is destroyed by mm -hmm. a lot of these single mothers before they even even know what self-esteem was i've experienced that myself and you gotta wonder to what extent is folks not even caring to listen to them playing into that they, they they don't they don't it's it's the same thing now i'm seeing like when we see online a lot of these women oh black men are not protecting us like you honestly expect black men to give and it's almost like i had to tell this one lady on a panel that i was on you know i was like well if you feel that way that you know black men should just come to the aid of whatever woman that's being assaulted without having the proper understanding of what's going on in that scenario then you'll feel that way for your son so if you get a call at two o'clock in the morning that your son is laid out somewhere deceased so you're just going to say well he protected a black woman no you're not you're going to you're going to ask what was my son doing over here what happened what transpired you're not going to be thinking about that so it's crazy how you would want men to do the same thing that you'd even want your son to put himself in that position Hey, man, I appreciate the thought, brother. Thanks for coming up. Thanks a lot, Dr. Tia Son Johnson. Really appreciate you, brother. I will definitely continue watching and supporting. Hey, man, thanks a lot. And I'm and and I'm privy to the 18th letter. My son's name is Rakim, so I'm feeling that. But yeah, I was born in '88. That's that's what I was <laughs> named after. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good one. You too. See, this is the thing too. When you when you talk about this no protection argument. We go back to Buffalo, you have protection. And we use Buffalo because it was a random example. It was a, it was a tragedy. It was something that should have never happened. And yet you had black men protecting. But here's the thing, when black men protect, they're not giving credit for it. When they so-called don't protect, which usually just means the story isn't available about what black men may have done, then they haven't protected. It's a one-way dynamic. And black men are getting tired of that shit too. Um, all right, so we got Orange Pill. Orange Pill, can you hear me? Yes, how you doing, Dr. T? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, give us your thoughts on this. Do you think people are listening to Bronnie's? Oh, they're absolutely not. Um, I can speak for myself and my own situation I had. when uh, Before I became a nurse, I worked with a, a nurse that was kind of into me. And uh, she wanted to, we went out on, we were planning to go on a date. 
And so what happened was this uh, I was still like a, a tech, a mental mental health tech. I worked in the psych hospital. And okay. she like we were planning to go out, but basically she wanted me to ra- wait at this restaurant for like two and a half hours for her. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, what? let's just call it a night. You know, I'm not waiting this restaurant for you like 45 minutes from the house. So then she started cursing me out through tech, calling me a, a you know, a B and everything else. And and I still work with her every day. And I'm like, yo, I, I'll go out with a man that wants to go out with me. And then fast forward, like we, I never, you know, went out, went on her. She expected me to come work and just start attacking her. And I never did. But fast forward, I married my wife. I become a nurse. Her friend, she moved to Atlanta. Okay. And her friend, her friend came up to me and said, hey, she, she still, she, she, what's the name, was telling me we were in the club. I went to go visit her in Atlanta. She's a nurse practitioner now, the little girl that, that was cursing me out. She said, oh, I should have, you know, he's all married now. I could have been with him. This is her friend coming up and telling me this, her really close friend. I'm like, wow, really? Not that I care, but this is very interesting how all that stuff comes back. And and this is a nurse practitioner making six figures, doing what she got to do. And she's still thinking about this was like this was a date that we were supposed to go on maybe like four or five years ago. Mm. And she still has me on Facebook and she sees me with my wife. We get our house. He's like, I could have been in the house. And stuff like that, but you in Atlanta having fun now. So, <laughs> having and fun also, <laughs> right? But it, it, but I always found a lot of stuff that you say, Kevin Simpson. A lot of people say, being a nurse, a male nurse. I see, a, you know, you know, the nurses. I see a lot of it. Like all of it's true. It's crazy. I've kind of like semi tested out some of the things. I'm like, you know, this is very interesting. Like all this is true. It's crazy. Um. I also noticed, and there's something else that needs to be debunked, doctor, is that there's this philosophy that, you know, once we build, once we do all these things, once we do we are right, do right by them, then they'll come, you know? Mm, right. But I found of having conversations and just good faith conversations trying to online, but when you marry a black woman, you do things right, like I'm trying to do. You know, become the best provider I can be for my wife. They still don't listen. It's not, oh, well, you you got all these things, but they're still on code with what they they still not going to debunk in their beliefs. When I'm mm-hmm. trying, I'm having a conversation with a whole panel of people who aren't even married, <laughs> aren't with anybody, and they're arguing me about what 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 what's supposed to be done in a marriage, or I'll say like. <laughs> Like here's here's the crazy part. They'll, they'll, they'll try to they'll try to get away from the conversation. This one guy who was, who was I was like, so when you come into a marriage, you come in, you know, she comes with her stuff, you come with your stuff, and you uh, you know, you don't come in with a selfless mentality. You come in how to serve each other. And then he says, well, that only happens in good marriages, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> What's that got to do anything? So he's trying to get you to get away from. Now you're trying to. Now you're in the corner where you got to defend what happens in a good marriage. It got away from the whole conversation. So nobody's, so this whole thing, instead of going, you know, that does make sense. You're trying to change the distract from the conversation. And then the whole panel's like, see, he's just up here, not really trying to have a conversation. I'm like, what? <laughs> and people say, well, that only happens in good marriages. It's already like, you want to know everything has risk. And you can't have no guarantees where you know if there's going to be a good marriage. And all that stuff, but they don't want to have a conversation. 
However, I, my last point, uh, Doc, is uh, it was funny. Um, I was on this 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 show, right? Um, and what happened was they had a, 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 a I think his name is Bison or Vissel. He's this white guy. He's like a, a relationship coach, but he's like a Christian religious one. Okay. And he and I I I put a comment, a super chat. I was like, hey, what things do you agree with with with, with uh, the manosphere? Because he had a whole lot to say about how he didn't like it. He mm. said some vague point that had nothing to do with anything. And then he starts to say red pill talking points. <laughs> he about <laughs> his own life. He right. said, and it's funny because the chat it was like pretty much a you know it was a echo chamber of you know mad women. They were like feeling what he said. Yeah, attack the manosphere. But he started talking about his own life. He was like, yeah, um, I got, I was mad at my dad for the divorce, but I found out my mom was actually the crazy one, and she had all the issues. And the chat was like, a, they were like, whoa, get him off of here. He's really manosphere. It was crazy. I was like, wait a minute. So as long as he's on code with what y'all saying, and then and then the guy who hosts the show, he's like, oh my gosh, he says. I was like, wait a minute. That's what Kevin Samuels and everybody says. Always get the father side. Man, and I'm like, a, I'm, I'm a train me to rap. No, no, I'm gonna need to transition, but I appreciate that contribution, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. All Thank right, you. man. Take it easy. Um, see, the thing about it, you know, before I even entertain anybody seriously when they want to critique, you know, red pill or manosphere or whatever, my first question is, who's their audience? And that answers a lot. Now, I listen to arguments because I don't believe in dismissing arguments just on that, you know, the, on the basis of who's talking. But it really gives you a sense of context. If their dollars, if their income, if they're if the bread of their life is tied to appeasing a particular group. then you, you know, I'm, I'm just going. I'm only going to take you partially serious when you got critiques. But anyway, uh, oh, looks like we lost the manual. OK, so uh, Eric, can you hear me? Dr. Johnson, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, sir, I can. Okay. Tell us, do you think people are listening to Bronnie's? Uh, actually, I believe they are listening to Bronnie's. Okay. We've been saying it. Uh, we've been saying it enough, uh, whether it's on the internet, uh, on blogs, uh, you know, even in music, as harshly as it's been put in, uh, in music. Okay. Uh, we've been saying it one way or the other, and and the reason why I say that is because uh, you take for example here, uh, culture. Uh, people think that Kevin Samuels was something new, or that what he was saying was revolutionary. And you know, in my opinion, and this is with respect to him, his family, uh, his fans, and you know, anyone who mourned his death, including myself. He wasn't saying anything that was new. We've been telling black women for the longest about the here. Uh, and that's and that's with tolerance of, you know, the issues that go on uh, with hair and uh, the time that it takes to mend it and make it look good. For example, we've been telling black women about the imagery, the aggressiveness, the uh, unusual conditions or circumstances of which black men have to meet in order to get the basic minimum, which is femininity and peace and comfort. You understand what I'm saying? I believe so. What? Um so you know I feel like we we've been saying that in in one way or the other. Some may be rude about it, 
uh, and then some have been, uh, you know, cordial and, and, and respectful about how we've been saying or how we've been voicing, uh, if how we've been voicing our opinions or, or, or desires or things that we don't desire. Okay. Now, just out of curiosity, how old are you? I'm 32. You're 32. So, so did you, did, did you, do you think people heard you when you were young? And for those who are just coming in, we're, we're talking about brownies, which basically I'm referring to, and this is just a rough kind of frame, but seven to seven to 17 year old, young heterosexual black males, uh, like Bronny, who is, uh, you know, that's the nickname for LeBron James's son. Um, so for the sake of argument, we're asking the question, are people listening to Bronnie's? Because the only time we really hear them referred to is when they make decisions or do things that folks don't like. But if for the most part, I argue that many of these young men have been ignored um, up until that point. But uh, when you were in, the, in that age range, do you think people were listening? And I'm including family here. Um, I do. I do believe that people were listening. Um, and see, as far as dating went for me in, in my age range, I kind of, uh, I would say I adapted to it mm -hmm. in the sense of, uh, you know, I, I incorporated, uh, you know, different things within my, my style, the way I speak, uh, the things that I did. Uh, I was able to still maintain a, a good working relationship with the black woman. Um, so I, I don't come at, you know, in any disrespectful fashion, but mm -hmm. where I would say, I, I I was heard, but was ignored in the sense is that from high school, I knew I didn't want to compete with a certain class of, of men. Um, if, you know, if that makes sense. Compete with them um, for, for women or for what? Um, for, for women, their attention, uh, you know, the status. I, I didn't want to compete with, you know, cause I, I, I hate to put it this way, but you know, I was, I was raised different from, some other kids in the black community um not with you know like white parents or with white kids or anything like that but what i'm saying is in the sense of i i didn't i was raised in the suburbs let's just put okay. it like that okay um and i understand not everybody has that 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 circumstance okay. so i knew from from high school i didn't want to compete with a certain you know style or, or group of of men okay but the black women, they, they knew this and yet still it was ignored. Uh, they, we, you know, we were ignored for, uh, you know, for street dudes, uh, you know, I, or as a, the, the space has been calling them pookies and, and Ray rates. Okay. You understand? Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't really acknowledged or, uh, you know, taken in, into consideration, you know? So when I say the bronies have been heard, it's things like that where it's like, Hey, we don't want to we don't want to be this hyper masculine uh person that degrades or has traumas or un, unsettled issues you know with our past or poverty or anything like that we're okay. just chilling we just you know well, does that does that make sense i hear what you're saying and, and i'm actually probably going to need to speed it up a little because i got more people here than i thought but here's the thing i would say in response to that i think what happens with the so-called you know because i Usually I've, I've heard the Pookie and Ray Ray and the educated lame debate going on for years. And one of the things I notice is that when it comes to how women perceive both groups, there's a degree of objectif object objectifying that goes on. Uh, the idea of the Pookie as dangerous, as hyper-masculine, these are all stereotypical notions, 
right? And it tends to be something associated with a thrill, with living life. The, the whole, you know, educated lame dynamic, you know, what I hear, especially when women get a little older and they're looking for security, you know, I hear about men who are more stable, uh, they're less likely to cheat on you, you know, they're, they're more able to take care of you. What I hear is a lot of objectifying of Black men on the basis of class, on the basis of where they are in their lives. And to me, neither has anything to do with who you, who the man standing in front of him actually is. You know, because when it comes to being able to take care of a family or being able to be consistent and stay with, you know, or, or what do you call it, to be monogamous or whatever, none of that has anything to do with just a, a flat out pookie versus lame argument. But these are the kind of the, these are the kinds of stereotyping of black men that I see happening. And I think it's something that right. we need to become more familiar with and we need to call out when it's happening because you can be objectified. Or what you're perceived as, you know, the danger you're perceived or the excitement you're perceived as being able to give a woman just as much as you can be object objectified for, you know, the stability and the consistency that, you know, she might appreciate in older years. But the point of the matter is objectification is still objectification. And, you know, and the question right. is, can you be perceived, especially if you actually are a quality man, for being a quality man, whether you're blue collar, white collar, whatever, you know what I mean? That's my question. And a lot of what I hear is men grappling with women's choices, but those choices are based on really an exploitation of ideas that are fundamentally dehumanizing when you get to the core of them. So when you talk about being ignored to a certain extent for pookies, really what I hear is that you weren't considered the ideal set of objectifying ideas at that point. But, you know, Anyway, that's that's you know, I'm not going to say that that encompasses your life. This is a short conversation, but that's something I just wanted yes, to add on to the table. But you yes, sir. Get and I, say something before we close out. Um, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, we need a voice like yours, uh, especially since it seems that's what they respect. But uh, even if you even if you'd see at your educational level and your eloquence in the way you speak, it's still not respected. But mm -hmm. I, I respect it. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for having me on. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Take it easy, Eric. Um, let's see. Um, we got Emmanuel back in. Emmanuel, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. My, I was dropping in and out for a while. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, give us your thoughts real quick. Uh, do you think Bronnies are being listened to? Oh, of course not. Why, why would they be? Because unfortunately, as you have been clearly articulating, I'll try to get my spin on it and see if you agree. Not okay. all, but sadly, too many um, BWs, Black women, they see us as property. You know, this is, it's, we, we knew that our ancestors, our forefathers that was enslaved, they was in property to slave owners. And I'm not saying they have physically enslaved us. No one flip out on me. What I'm saying is it's a similar mindset. Like we belong to them and they get to decide what we, what they can, if they want to do it for us, when to the point is, and to build on what the last um, man spoke about. Uh oh, did we lose you? Okay. MLR, appreciate that generous support. Uh, Lionel Player One, appreciate that support. 
think uh, Emmanuel, I think you're dropping in and out. Can you? Can you? Uh oh, are you still there, Doctor? Um, yeah, we lost a lot. Of, we lost a lot of what you said. Head. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, um, just if you can, just give us a brief closing thought um, while we got you. Uh oh, I'm not sure if it's you no. dropped or if I dropped. Okay, he fell off. I did not just drop him. Just to let y'all know, I didn't do that. I'm sorry, Emmanuel cut out. It sounded like he was in his car. Um, Kobe, Kobe, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear that. How's it going there? Uh, doing well, doing well. Give us your thoughts on this. Do you believe that people are listening to Bronnie's? No, I don't think they are because they feel like they don't have to, you know. Um, you know, a lot of black women, I was watching your show yesterday and you was um, talking about a conversation with a guy was having about a, having with some lady and how she was just she had like this guy-like complex saying that you know um black women are a guy and they truly believe that and things of that nature so they feel like you know just because they birthed us they don't they don't have to um listen to us or listen okay. to the brains. okay <clears throat> and um it's like they hear what the Bernies are saying, but they're not receiving it. Like they, 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 they're constantly pushing back on it, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it's just falling on deaf ears with them, you know. Like um, they just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's in a sense like they don't want to hear it, you know. It's—it's—it's just—they just shutting it all out, and um, pretty much don't even really too much care because. When it comes to black man, they, they don't really care what we have to say anything anyways. You know, it's like anything we say do, doesn't really have any value or anything to it. Like the way they they talk down us. And then when I um I just see how um when Kevin Samuel had died, you know, just all the, the virtual that they was that slant on him all on social media. Right. Um it was it was it was just terrible, you know. And I'm I'm you know, I'm someone that followed Kevin Samuels and Kevin Samuels the one that put me on you and I've been following you ever since then. You know, and um, um, I I just don't, I just don't, I just believe that they don't care to hear what the Bernies are saying. To be honest with you, well, you know, first of all, I appreciate that in terms of uh, supporting the channel, and, and shout out to Kevin. Uh, but let me ask you a quick question before we transition to someone else. Did you hear more vitriol for Kevin or the Buffalo shooter, or even the Texas shooter? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's good you brought that up because that's something else I was going to speak on. Um, uh. You saw more virtual for Kevin than you see, than you saw for either one of them. Um, combined, yeah. to be honest with you, yes, it was more towards Kevin, and it was like you know, like it was it was the thing. The thing was about it. He was it, it, it hits home to close to to all, all these women so fast to the point to where like um, they, it's like a lot of them they don't want to improve. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like they feel like they um. They're perfect the way that they are, and this whole you know this body positivity thing, and uh, take me as I am, like Kevin Samuel always say that right. we should just take them just because they're they're a black woman, and you know if, if they if we're someone that they want, we should accept them regardless of what. Like they don't have to do any improving, but we really want expected to do all the pro all improving and have and bring all the value, and they just bring nothing to the table, not even the bare minimum, you know. And absolutely, absolutely. And when and, and I'll know things are fair when we start talking about body positivity for four hundred pound men. But in until that happens, I, I ain't buying it. But me neither. Uh, appreciate you appreciate you coming up, man. Thank you. Right, no problem. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in James. Uh oh, 
Uh-oh. Looked like his screen might have froze just before I clicked on him. I'm going to pull him down, and maybe he'll be able to reconnect. Uh, Kevin C. What's going on, Kevin? Yeah, hey, Professor. How you doing? It's good to hear you. Good, good to, see, to you. see you, man. Give us your thoughts on this. Do you think people are listening to Bronnie's? You know what? Absolutely not, because if they were, then we wouldn't have all this, 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 this uh, you know, this discussion and vitriol and all of this hullabaloo about it. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, and people get people just completely lose this in the process. When black people marry, we marry each other at about an 86 percent rate. That's black men and women. We marry mostly each other anyway. Right. So my issue is not so much the IR stuff. It's that we're not getting married enough. So we okay. lose sight of that fact. Absolutely. And I'm like, why are we not focusing on the fact that we're not getting married versus who we're actually marrying, knowing that we're going to marry each other 80 percent of the time anyway? At least. Well, but, then, but, but then the question becomes, what are the reasons? Now, we've heard for years and you look like you're 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 old enough where you remember from yeah. the, at least from the 1980s. What were the reasons we were hearing that men were not marrying? What were the tropes that we heard? Well, the, the biggest one was chasing after white women, which, you know, mm-hmm. I guess some guys do that. But that's, you know, that's a, you know. That's that's not a big one though, but you know I guess some guys do it. Okay, so so we heard white women, we heard uh, deadbeat dads. We yeah, heard... deadbeat dads. Men are broke. They're, they're and now the word is dusty, but I mean basically the word back yeah. then was deadbeat and irresponsible. Deadbeat and um, irresponsible. We also heard, and w- this one was real big in the eighties. Um, fear of commitment. Remember yeah, that one? right. Fear of commitment. But nobody asked men. Yeah, why we weren't married. They told us why we weren't married. But when you when men started to finally talk about it, which is only really publicly, like in the last decade, mm-hmm. men were saying the quality isn't there. The risk, yeah. the risk that I have to take in a marriage, and I'm saying mm-hmm. this as someone who is married, you know, it, it you, how much I can lose in regard to children, in regard to income, in regard to all of that, marrying the wrong woman who can arbitrarily decide to to leave and take with her X, Y, and Z of money. That it's so it's so extensive that I need more assurances before I just hop into this. I mean, you could get married at another point in time, like in the fifties. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about, you know, moving back into your mother's garage at 50 years old because mm-hmm. of it. Yep. It wasn't really a consideration. Yeah. Now it's a whole different terrain. And if, and, and people say, well, that's only if you have money, let me tell you something. If you make $25,000 a year and you got to lose half of that mm-hmm. in a divorce, now, it's one thing to lose a uh, hundred million if you're 200 million strong, but do you know what it is to lose 12 and a half or 25? Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, poor or wealthy, men have a lot to take into account when it comes to marriage, and until there are policy assurances, it, it, it really is a roll of the dice if you decide to go there. Because here's the thing, and I don't know if you've ever been divorced or anything of like that, yeah, I, I was divorced, I'm remarried now. Oh, you remarried, okay, yeah, I'm divorced, remarried now, though, yeah. So, so for anyone that's never been married. Tell us the difference between your wife on your wedding day and your wife on the day you're divorced. What was completely the different person? Absolutely completely different person. And you know, and that's not a knock against her. It's just oh, the right. marriage didn't work out. Right. But that's what but I'm you, saying. But that's definitely not the same person that you married once the person you divorced. I mean, we all know that's that. My that's my point. You And you couldn't see that coming. I mean, people no. talk about red flags and maybe you can identify some things. But the point is the woman you divorce is never something you can predict entirely from the day you're married. It, it's yeah. a it's a roll of the dice. So yeah. at, at the end of the day, when it comes to, you know, black men and, and this whole question of marriage, one of the things we need, if nothing else, is at least policy assurances. And this is one of the things we talk about in the black male political agenda, actually trying to provide some type of policy support. So marriage doesn't have to be 
uh, as dangerous as it can be for men. And we can actually engage it without having to worry about going into poverty just because, you know, she's upset about something. I mean, that's a serious. No woman gets married, really. I mean, there are a few, but no woman really gets married worrying about losing everything she has. They don't. You know what? Well, now, because of the way things are now, if women make more money, yeah, absolutely, they're thinking about that, which kind of brings me to real quick, and I know you got to go, but mm-hmm. uh, the modern marriage thing is that basically prenuptial agreements. That kind of mitigates it as long as it's fair between both parties and they agree to it. So well, that mitigates the risk, and that and now I encourage men to actually go that route. Well, um, and, you know, and, I do, and I agree with you. I encourage it, but sometimes, you know, talking to lawyers, too, they'll tell you that it's it's even that is not necessarily a lock, you know, it, it, yeah. it is to another, another roll of the dice. It's better to have than not, yeah. but, you know, it's still a risk, but at the end of the day, give us your closing thoughts on this whole issue of young men and being heard. What do you think? Well, look, I look at it like, the, like this is that, you know, I don't really feel that the young men, especially young black men are being heard. And then women are paying for it in the long run. Cause they say, well, guys aren't available to them, but I'm looking at it like this, be smart, Find these good men early, invest in them and get that commitment, get that marriage and build with these guys. Yes, the thing sir. is that women are talking about today. Well, I don't want to build and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Well, you know, when that dude gets his money, he gets on. He ain't going to pick you. He's going to pick the other women who are now much more available to them with his options. And then, you know, so, you know, it it, it, it kind of takes away from what women should be doing while the men are actually building themselves. I so hear you. I hear you know, they have to work with us while we're working to do to be better men. I hear and then you. leave all the knuckleheads alone. Completely ignore them. I mean, it's really simple to us. We get it. <laughs> I appreciate you coming up, man. Thanks, hey, Roger. Man. Thanks. And, and Professor, uh, you know, really appreciate what it is you're doing because uh, this is very important. Your discussions and your words, because uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of iffy on some of these academics. And uh, you're one of the real ones. I appreciate you. You know what I'm talking about, too. You're one of the real ones. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I mean, if you, cause, you know, they, they're making me not, and, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a low level academic myself, kind of mid level guy. But I'm like, look, some of y'all are making me looking at y'all real sideways out here. You know, hey, so man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Kevin. Uh, oh, shit. We got AB in the house. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Dr. T? Can you hear me? I can hear you, man. Give us your thoughts on this. Are people listening to Bronnie's? No. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> I looked at that. You know, when I looked at that picture, I'm like, okay, what's the big deal? Yeah. That was my honest assessment. What's, what's the big, big deal? deal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, danced with, I danced with my share of white chicks when I was, when I went to my prom. So what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah. And the irony is they keep bringing up, you know, how LeBron took a white girl to prom. I actually did a dance show with a white chick, but that's another story. You know what? I ain't even. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was in. I was in stage play back then. Hey, it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> like I don't. It's like this. This is not an issue for me. She didn't. She she ghosted me afterwards. But it, it is what it is. She says she ghosted me afterwards. <laughs> but look, my but. <laughs> but my question to you is: What do you think the cost of ignoring Bronnie's is in the long run? Um. Ignoring these young men, roughly seven to seventeen. Yeah, the more I see the Gen Zs, I think the cost is the cost is going to be obvious in the next few years. Because the more because these Gen Zs coming up, they do not care. They 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 just don't care. They'll date whoever they want to date. I told you about my uh, little cousin. He couldn't stand white people growing up. 
guess all he guess all he dates now. He's about twenty. He's he's uh he's um an older Z. Guess guess who all he dates now? White chicks. Okay. Yeah. I, I, hey, it is what it is. But that's and, see, what I'm saying is you know no matter how you feel about it, the beginning point of it is is actually having conversations. And not just bullshit, kind of having meaningful conversations with young men, not to tell them what to do, but to actually understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. We have to have dialogues. You have to sit down and have conversations because they're not stupid. They're not tape recorders that just do what, what they, you know, they record others doing. These are young human beings that are making decisions based on the available data presented to them, available experiences they've already had. And if you got a kid that's 15, 16 years old, He's making decisions based on things that he's thought about. Do you know what he's mm-hmm. thinking? You know, have you bothered to ask? Nope, they ain't bothered to ask. That's the problem. Yeah, that's gonna be a problem. It's, it, I mean, if you think it's a problem on prom day, yeah, really. You know what I mean? But any closing thoughts before we transition? Let me bring someone else up. What you, anything else you want to impart? Well, it's like you said before. Don't, uh, I, I, I don't know if you saw him in check. I correct you, it was Serena who got married to White D. Yeah, I did. I, I appreciate that. I, I don't. I'm not always up on it to the degree. I oh, I understand, but uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, they want us to mix anyway. I'm like, what's the big deal? Yeah, this yeah. Is our society wants it. It is what it is. Yeah. That's all I got. I'm out. I appreciate it, man. Take it easy. Yeah. Just like Kevin said, man, the majority of, of black folk marry each other when we marry. You know, but the question is, how many how many of these young men are going to go elsewhere? How many of them are, are going to go monk? And understand something, monk for young men, you know, grown men going monk. You know, you got brothers who are doing their thing, whether they're successful at what they do or not. Young men going monk can simply be indulging in nothing more than the video games and whatever, and really not even paying attention to girls. And it's not because they're you know they're, they have a different sexual orientation or anything. It's simply because to them, it's not worth the hassle. That's going monk for a young man. Uh, let me bring up Brother Malika. What's up, man? Peace, good brother. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, man? Give us give us your thoughts on, on this whole question of whether or not people are bo- bothering to listen to Bronnies and what the cost of that is. They are definitely not listening to brothers, man. Come on. You know that and I know that. We are Gen Xers, man. <laughs> they didn't listen to us back then and they definitely not listen to brothers now. <laughs> Right. And the cost of that is that you're losing a certain generation of men that are going to help progress this society. Mm. One of the biggest problems is, like you said, um, women need to sit down and want to talk to men. Well, first of all, these women have to want to talk. You have to, in order to talk to somebody and have a good conversation or to get to the point of a problem, you have to care about somebody. Right. Let me be real with this. Majority of our women don't care about us. I put it in your chat. The reason why they're not listening to the quote unquote brownies or we could just say young black men or black men period is because you don't care about us. And black women can say, oh, yes, we do. No, you don't. You really don't care about us in a human way. You don't care about us as human beings, as men. You care about how you often say as a concuserf, we're here as utilities. Right. I've seen it. I've seen it in my family. You've seen it in your family. We've seen it everywhere. We've seen it in our relationships. And when right. we bring this to the forefront, our ladies don't want to hear that. But one of the biggest problems is you see 
brothers like um, LeBron James' son, you see these young people, they're watching right. and, they're, and they're sponges and they soak up everything and they see how the way our relationships are. They That's see true. how the way they're being represented. These are kids that are raised on social media. Yes. So everything is out there. Information is out there. And just saying, well, why are black men or young black men not going for black men? Because you don't care about us. And the yeah. thing is, when you don't care, these young men have a choice. Mm. See, the thing is, when you have a choice, that's a problem because we're stepping out of the matrix and we're taking a chance. This platform for the past 10 years has allotted black men to compare notes. Every man said it best. We are comparing notes. Before it was isolated incident. We thought, well, dang, I thought it just happened to me. I thought it just happened in my family. I thought it just happened to Philly. Other guy in my thoughts, I just thought it happened in New Jersey. I thought it happened in South Africa. No, this is something that has been brought upon us with men. And the problem is we're not having any agency with our women. But the right. thing is, what we decided was we decided to have agency with ourselves. We right. didn't argue. We didn't put anything on any media. We didn't start having you know these parties and putting out stuff and everything only thing what happened was when these platforms came up and we had kevin samuels come up and kevin samuels blew up in the past two and a half years and it became a phenomenon and all of a sudden it was like wow and all of a sudden when kevin blew up other people started seeing this and other people white asian latin other people from other parts of the world start realizing, wow, there's a problem really between black men and black women. And we're like, yes, this has been going on for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. It's just been magnified. But the thing is now, black men, we started taking agency because we have platforms like yours. And now we're talking about it more in an academic, social and political manner. Right. And this is the problem where women don't like that because now we're pulling back the carpet and you start seeing the dirt there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we're talking about the hundred pound gorilla, and the hundred pound gorilla is them. <laughs> <It's> them. <laughs> I mean, the five hundred pound gorilla is them. Mm. And mm. you know, and this is no sneak diss, but it is. The thing mm. is, black men, we've been pointed. Everything has been pointed against us. Like how you said back in the eighties and nineties, black man ain't shit. Black man ain't this. Y'all on the download. Y'all don't build nothing. Right, you right. be dads. You this. Right. But this goes on and on and on and on and on. Now here's the funny thing. Now that we're doing something, now that you have black men and we can pull out stats and stats and stats, and you do it with academics, BGS, Angry Man, Kevin, we put stats out and we can put it right there and we can say, okay, this is the this is the certain amount of men that are Debbie dads. These are the certain amount of men that are single black men. These are a certain amount of men that are millionaires and then 1%. These are a certain amount of men that only make between 30, 45,000. And these are certain men that are blue collar, white collar. Here's the data. Right. What's the problem? Right. And all of, those, uh, all of those men at from age 18 to 65 earn more than their female counterparts. Exactly. So what's the and problem? then when you turn it around and you say this, it's a, they start beatboxing and but, but, but this, but this, but that. But then also when you start putting it together, you start showing black men, single black fathers like yourself, raising your son, doing well. Mm -hmm. Black men that want to be in their father's lives. Black men who had trouble in the past raised their sons and doing well now, like Angry Man. Angry mm -hmm. Man has all three of his sons. He's doing well. Yeah. So what's the problem? Right. 
But the thing is, when you turn that mirror around and you put it to them, it's like that Dorian Gray saying, you know, a lot of black women got that Dorian Gray painting up in the attic. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, the problem is we have no problem spilling our guts and putting it out there. We have no problem putting ourselves up on the cross and being the martyrs. But like how you said, you know, BGS said there's a difference between, you know, somebody being the enemy and being the martyr. The martyr does something different. The martyr is seen as like, oh, okay, something's really happening. The enemy, you can really spit on his grave, but the martyr, you kind of pick him up and you load him later on. That's the biggest problem, man. But my thing is, I don't want to spend up the most of your time. I just got to say, brothers, do you. Young Mm -hmm. men, older men, do you. Do you. If you got a goal, if you have a dream, if you have anything else, hold that dear to your heart. This is the time for us now. Angry Man said it. There's no excuse for us now as men, especially black men, not to be fulfilling our dreams and our goals, and we can do it. Don't worry about what your mama say. Don't worry about what this woman says. Don't worry about what anybody says. Fulfill your own dreams for yourself. Nobody else. I hear you. Appreciate that, man. I love you, big brother. I Likewise, good brother. Talk to you soon. Uh... Okay, Joe Cop in the comment section. I don't know what you mean. You might want to clarify that before you get bounced. So just be clear. Uh, let's bring in Roaring Sun. Roaring Soaring Sun, can you hear me? I can hear you. How you doing? I'm good, man. What's going on with you? Nothing much, nothing much. Uh, just wanted to contribute to the piece. I think you was asking, uh, are they listening to us, right? Are they, are they listening to young black men? What are your thoughts on that? No, no, they have no desire to listen. And even if they did, they lack the introspection to listen. So, I mean, if they were to take in what any of these young guys were saying about their experience, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't change their behavior about it. Okay. Okay. So so even if they're listening, it's not going to change anything. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, this is where we are, though. I mean, these young men are are, are the young men that are going to be, um, you know, leading families, uh, voting, all of these kinds of issues. If they don't bother to even figure out what they stand for, what they've experienced, what they believe, can they claim to be shocked when it doesn't go the way they want it to? They will. You know, there's some <laughs> gaslighting stuff. You know how they do. <laughs> he said they will. You know how they do. <laughs> I think. Uh, but to answer like the topic question, like uh Pretty much what will it cost? I think at the end of the day, of course, long term, it'll cost them access to marriageable, marriageable black men. Okay. But also, I think um, in the short term, it'll cost them access to self-esteem. If people aren't feeding their self-esteem all the time and uh, promoting, you know, uh, black women's beauty and all these other things, if they're out looking elsewhere, basically, and not looking at them it may have an effect on their self-esteem in the short term, but in the long term, they'll just, they lose access to marriageable men and uh, good foundations for relationships. Thank yeah. 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 I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. No problem. All right, man. Take it easy. Uh, okay. Let's go uh, to Ronnie. Ronnie, can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Give us your thoughts right. on this, man. Do you think people are listening to Bronnie's the young black men? No, man. Actually, I I actually work around a lot of young black men. I'm a teacher in uh in one of the hoods in Texas, in Houston. And um, I I heard one of my teachers say, my coworkers say, 
you know, the black boys, they don't really date the black girls. And I'm like, really? So I started looking because it's mostly it's mostly Hispanic, but like okay. there are some black people in there. Right. And so um, I started looking around and I'm like, I'm starting to see like all the black kids are kind of solo. Like you don't really see any black couples in there, but you see all these Hispanic couples. And mm-hmm. uh, I got a chance to ask my uh, students one time, I said, uh, hey, why don't y'all talk to any of the girls? Like, mm-hmm. is it, like, what's wrong with that? And they just say, man, we don't like the girls here because, you know, I'm in the hood. But also the girls that are in other places, they definitely not like the girls in the hood, but they still have issues with them. So you see a lot of uh, mixed couples, too. Uh-huh. And it, and then uh, I took it to my social media page. I'm like, hey, did y'all know that y'all teenage sons are like creeping out to like be with other women? And they're like, not my son. Uh, this ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. So then to answer your question, uh, answer your question with another example, I was thinking about Kevin Samuel's death a couple of days ago. And how many women you heard all the women say, you know, Kevin Samuels hated women. He did this. He right. he, he split the community. And right. I was like, I've never seen a woman say, um, I hope my son never hears this. Mm. Like, mm. so in, in my mind, I'm like, you didn't even consider your kids and how he might be impacting your kids. And so now I have kids in my class right now who bring up Manosphere talking points. Okay. But I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure that moms don't know. <laughs> like, moms don't know. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is one of the influences that I'm curious to see how it plays out, because my generation, we, you know, we didn't have social media where uh, anytime I'm on a bus in the bathroom, walking the hallways, I can be listening to someone giving me life advice. We really I mean, short of like listening to hip hop, you know what I mean? Yeah, we really didn't have this kind of dialogue. So I'm curious to see how it impacts young men in particular, especially especially, excuse me especially young black men who aren't being heard, right? People are not really talking to them. They're talking at them or at, you know, at best, they're just talking around them. But I find that a lot of people aren't bothering to listen to young black men, but young black men can listen to other black men in media. And I'm curious to see what the impact will be. You know, even at the loss of of Kevin Samuels, I mean, to, to some extent, that may have just propelled him to, you know, to legend status. And you got a lot of young men that may be listening because they heard his name, you know. So just curious. But I appreciate your comments on here, man. Thank you. Hey, no problem, man. I, I love I love the program. I love what you do. All right, man. Appreciate that. Peace. 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 Okay, let me get in the officer of the goddamn law himself. <laughs> What's going on? We can't hear you, man. I see you flexing all in there. Woo! Still got it, baby. Still got it. <laughs> What's good with you, man? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. My trademark came in for Officer of the Goddamn Law. My brother, my champion, my savior came in as trademark. And I just found out uh, the state actually gave me dual licenses for security, armed and unarmed, and private detectives and executive protection. What? Congratulations, man. Thank you. Woo! Going places, baby. And it's funny. Because I got to call you the H, P-H-D-I-C in the building. Here you go. You know, I got to liven it up sometimes. But the answer your... Go ahead, sorry, Doc. Go ahead, go ahead. The answer your question in its totality, people don't understand this. And I don't really talk about this, but I'm proud of this fact. 
So you know I have a 98 to 97 to 98 percentile, and the head coach brought it up. He said 90, 97 to 98 percent of the boys that wrestle for us graduate. Nice. Your schools can't get that from your. And I'm thinking to myself, I've actually talked with guys who wrestle for me, and they had to go to child custody court. A 30-minute conversation, what I told him he needed to do, and he walked out there with full custody of his daughter. Nobody listens to these young men. These are your these are your next generation of soldiers, protectors, business entrepreneurs. Nobody, I'm gonna say it even more plainly. A black man has no rights, no dreams, no inhibitions that anybody has to respect. Who cares if he dates a white girl? Sometimes you go to prom with a girl that you're cool with. Who cares? Maybe maybe if black women actually took the time out and said, you know what? I need to get my act together. I'll get the man that I can desire. Maybe if I actually improve myself. There was women when I did a Kevin Samuel salute. Four, three women on the panel who said, you know what? I'm thankful for Kevin because he made me think. Those are women that you know you can work with. When, when you take an accountability, an assessment of yourself, and it's unfortunate that young black men are not even being heard when it comes to educational endeavors, when it comes to economics, when it comes to housing. I had to talk to a kid who wrestled for me who his mom would kick him out to make room for her, his pregnant sister. There's a lot of stories that young black men don't get don't get heard. That actually doesn't get heard. You know why? Because too many people say you're tough. Nobody gives a damn about how you feel. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a damn about your plight. But when you actually when you actually take things upon yourself and make something of yourself, come hell or high water, everybody wants to get credit. That's when they want to. Nobody wants to cultivate. Nobody wants to invest. They just want to finish damn product. Right. Right. And if, and here's the crazy part of it. If a black man is successful and he wants to date who he dates, why aren't you being competitive? Okay. If you're mad about Bronny, guess what? Look where Bronny's located. Look who's in proximity of them. Even if you have black girls at that school, are they going to humble themselves or they think they're better than him? Bronny's going to go to the NBA and he's going to be drafted in the first round, maybe top three. Mm. So even, and I mean, think about it. He's been cultivated by his dad to be great. Just like you, you've cultivated your son and I'm doing mine. Why should, and I, and I tell people, like when I was on the, um, shout out to the um, controversial counselor, I asked this question. Would you tell your son to take twenty or $40,000 and go to Vegas and place bets where there's an 80% chance he'll lose? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. That's marriage these days why would why would i tell my son 
something that's going to be, and, and I'm, I'm going to go even deeper than that for a second because I know you don't have If you really love your sons, why don't you teach them about female nature? You, I, you could probably have a whole show on that one, man. <laughs> you as well. Y'all make sure you guys support the, uh, Officer Falkner's channel. And thank you for the idea of like ask a cop. I'm gonna try to do that weekly, by the way. Oh man, that was a brilliant one. That's that's right up your lane. Yeah. I like to circumvent a lot of the um a lot of the ignorance and people have questions, so I give them, you know, car blanche to ask. No matter I don't I don't I don't try to make people feel dumb, I just try to correct them. Well I'm gonna cut this one. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this one because we're getting a lot of back echo. Oh yeah, but you know what? It's always a pleasure, Doc. Woo! Keep doing what you're doing. Give this man his flowers, people. Woo! <laughs> All right, good brother. Peace. Um, yeah, check him out, man, because he was also giving tactical information for those of you who are who are into that. Uh, you know, the show he's holding on a weekly basis, I guess, uh, would be a good way to have that conversation. Um, I'm only going to be able to do a couple more. It looks like we got about 12 people, uh, or at least uh, another couple that uh, StreamYard is telling me are blocked from being able to come in because there's so many waiting. We're only going to be able to do a couple more. We're already at the two-hour mark, but let me bring in Adam MGTOW. Adam, can you hear me? How's it going, my brother? It's good, man. How about yourself? Man, man things are going good, man. <laughs> well, we got, well, I'm glad you called in. We got to get your thoughts on this. Um, what do you think? Are, are people listening to these young black men? Are they, are they engaging them? Are they taking them seriously? And what is the cost if they're not? Well, the uh, well, I guess I'll start in reverse. I'll start with the cost. I mean, the the, the cost to society in general uh, can be seen in the 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 impact of what happens when you when you know when you don't listen to these men. Namely, you're not able to get to the root of the problems, and so you continue to see the same poor outcomes. Whether it's in a detention or a correctional setting, where you you continue to get acts of of violence or outbursts, which are really forms of communication, because other mm -hmm. forms of communication have failed, right? Yes. You yes. know, when when I, you won't listen to my words, you're going to listen to my fists, right? You're going to listen to me when I break something and hold people hostage, you know, because you're not going to listen to me other otherwise, right? They always find out. It's funny. A lot of the uh, I can get into the particulars of it, but a lot of these investigations, they always find out there was something simple. That if they had just done that simple thing or listened to this person, gave them the 30 minutes that they had promised they would give them for their phone, but they mm. didn't give it to them and they forgot or ah, whatever. And that guy didn't get what he was supposed to get. Right. They, they forget that these young men have a sense, an innate sense of justice, even though it's, it, it, you know, their actions on the outside may have been condemned. Right. Uh, or, 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 or contemptible. Right. For whatever period of time, they do have a sense of justice. Right. That's where the term street justice even comes from. You killed my man. So I'm going to go do this, et cetera, and so forth. Right? right. But they don't really think about these 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 young men as 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 in, in the totality of their humanity, as you said. And, you know, it doesn't have to be an extreme case in like in the penitentiary. But when you look at, uh, 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 you know, male men in schools, as Officer Faulkner just said, you know, in their outcomes, as long as we refuse, as long as we outright refuse to listen to these men, right, right, uh, you know, or the the uh, or what I may call the, uh, the the social interrupting, right. Whenever they begin to speak, we socially interrupt them and shame them into silence again, and then wonder why we don't know what they're thinking, right. You know, 
uh, as far as individual women are concerned, I mean, you you, you lose your 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 sons. You could lose. Uh, a, I mean, just the effect of losing a, a stepson, right? A potential black stepson. You know, in the absence of a husband, which is the case of many of these uh, many black women, if your daughter has a step has a husband now, now you have a stepson that can step in, and he he he's kind of obligated to help you in ways that other men aren't. And if these men are marrying out, you won't even get the stepson. Now, as to to finish up, the uh, are they listening? I mean, I I'd, I'd say a re- I, there's there's a resounding no, and you know, I, I think others have spoken on the the uh, the extent to which there are women who refuse to listen. But what I I want to direct attention towards is also the women who just they they've never been trained on how to listen. Because especially black women in our particular case, because we've had a, what I like to call a romantic embargo or sexual embargo for centuries, right? Black men were basically barred from dating or marrying uh, women of other races. And you really didn't, you know, according to what we know from, from uh, especially the, the, the big push in the AS movement, a lot of immigrants didn't really come over until the 1960s. And a lot of black immigrants really didn't get here until the 1980s. So for most of American history, black men have basically been stuck with black women. They didn't really have to uh, accommodate black men to the extent of other groups because there, you know, there's this this embargo there, mm-hmm. right? But now that that's been lifted, now you have the bronies, you know, that are, uh, you know, they they're expressing uh, uh, since they're not being listened to, now they're taking action. And a lot of black women, you know, when we've seen it on Kevin's show, some of them will call in and genuinely say, I really just don't know what to do. Right. And they, they generally don't want to know what to do because they've never been trained on it because they've never had to. Their mothers wouldn't know what to do either because this has never been in a case before. And so they really have to, uh, you know, shows like this, uh, the ones that you, you have, uh, Dr. Ronald, Neil, G and G. I mean, if if women listen to these shows, you know, even if it's for, you know, you know, I would say, quote unquote, selfish reasons, right, in order to find out what a black man thinks. I mean, like you said before, there's there's white women and, and Latinas that show up at your class trying to figure out how black men think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm in a it, Fresno State is a Hispanic serving institution at this point. So, um, you know, Central California, you got a lot <laughs> of Latinos in the area and you see a lot of interracial relationships from middle school to you know adulthood in the area so it is what it is but yeah you're right it it was white girls that would take my class to learn about black males mm-hmm. now as far as the majority group of women it's latinas yeah. yeah and i i think if black women want the same results they need to take a course with you too <laughs> hey I, well you know, it, it once I started centering black men and, and, you know, a lot of this coursework, I noticed a dramatic drop when it came to that because they could get the feminist narrative from almost everywhere else. But mine was the my class is the one place you're going to get pushback and you're going to get data on it. And so that that created a whole different kind of riff. But <laughs> I appreciate your thoughts. Any closing thoughts on this before we transition to the last person? Uh, yeah, my, my closing thoughts is, you know, uh, and I'll. I'll I'll, I'll end it based on what you just said. Like the the the, the way that you you're, you run your class, and I think the you know it is reflective also of the uh, the way you have your show here. It 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 forces uh, the 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 audience to contemplate the humanity of black men and to look at things from a black male perspective that is uniquely distinct from every other form of media that's available. So, you know, I'm I'm posing it as a question. 
you know, should black, or rather as a statement, if black women, or should they care to get the bronies, right? Should they care to get these men? Then the only solution is to listen to brothers such as yourself. That's the only thing that works. I appreciate that. And, uh, uh, I'm I'm still taking in the stuff you dropping on Facebook. So shout out to you, man. Um, Thanks, brother. I always appreciate when you come through. You take it easy, man. All right, likewise, my brother. Peace. Peace. Okay, this uh, we got one more for tonight, and we're gonna go ahead and close it out because I gotta cook dinner for my brownie. Uh, Indigo Flow. Indigo, can you hear me? Yes, sir, Doctor C. Hassan Johnson. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you, and I'm digging that Fife Forever shirt, man. That's tight. Shout out to Fife. Yes, indeed. You got to represent Native Tongues for life. Yeah, real talk. Now, give us your thoughts on this, man. Are people listening to young black men like Bronny? That I have to be a resounding no, because, I mean, you've, you've witnessed it over time. You know, you Gen X, I'm, you know, uh, older millennial. It just seems as if time goes on, <clears throat> they're just successively trying to trying to make black men's vo- uh, voices just more irrelevant, you know. Unless, unless of course you're you know spouting some liberal liberal rhetoric, you know, or feminist rhetoric that appeals to their sensibilities, or you know LGBTQ whatever. So, <clears throat> outside of those things, nah, they're not trying to hear what what a young brother has to say. Now, what's the cost? What is the long-term cost of not listening to them? Do you think? Um, well, I mean, I feel like this: the long, the long, ter- the long-term cost is this. Uh, you know, the black community as we know it, you know, that people supposedly cher- uh, cherish, is gonna look is gonna look totally different, and this transformation is is uh, is is inevitable. You know, yeah. it's underway because in some respects. But go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's no, you know, uh, 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 black black men and black women are equally important, and uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe somebody would consider that to be arguable, but you know, for for sake of argument, you know, yeah. uh, black men, you know what I'm saying, our, our humanity, you know, our our our, you know, feelings, our sensibilities, our thoughts, you know, equally important. If you if you if you cancel that out, you know the you know the black the black community as we know it is is, is dwindling. I like to address one other thing you said because you um you posed like um you posed like an auxiliary question about if uh, he'll double down or not. And honestly, I think I think the young brothers in his generation are uh, are more inclined to double down instead of succumb to the peer pressure like you know like like you know brothers from my generation or your generation might. You know we 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 we've seen you know I mean that's why we. You know that's why the, the 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 space is blowing up like it is, <clears throat> you know, because brothers were silent for so long. But I, but I see different from the younger brothers, and it's funny the person who came to my mind. And I'm not, I swear, I'm not jumping out of the window on this. So, so hear me out. Okay. I thought a little, I thought a little Nas X. Okay. You know, yes, 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 he is. You know, LGBTQ, but um, he's a, he's a young black man nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And we see after we after he came out, you know, the more people. People trolled him, and the more people said cruel things to him. Um, I give him credit for one for being a, a, a such a good sport, but we saw him double down. You know, he would resort. To, he would resort to more, uh, you know, more outrageous antics. The more people had cruel things to say, or more, you know, more criticism, he was, you know, he resorted to more, 
you know, more more antics instead of shrinking back. Okay. And I think that might be I think that might be indicative of how these young brothers are, are, are you know respond to you know the shaming and the peer pressure and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The more you tell them no, the more they're going to go after it. You do far better to actually listen to what they have to say and and, and attempt to understand. Um, but, you know, they're having a lot of it. I mean, think about it, man. When you were going through school, how much of what you experienced did you actually tell your parents about? You know what I mean? I didn't I, I didn't tell my family about too much that I was going through. And matter of fact, it wasn't until I was probably 35 before I told my mother how many police cars I've been thrown on the hood of, you know, just for walking to school. I mean, I never told her those things, you know, partially trying to protect her. But at the end of the day, man, you know, they're, they're going through all these experiences that, you know, you don't know anything about and that's shaping their worldview. So the more they're ignored, the more you, you have an unknown quotient that may be living right in your house and, and not in terms of something dangerous, just in terms of just not understanding the choice that he may make if you don't bother to listen. So um, I appreciate you coming up. And interrogate. Yes, ready? indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, brother. As, I, as I've said in, in the comments, you know, under past broadcasts, you know, it was it was by means of Kevin Samuels getting turned on to Kevin Samuels after the whole, uh, um, what is an average at best, you know, went, oh, to his, okay. went, to his, went, to, went to his content out of curiosity. And I'm a breadcrumb follower. So when I heard him drop <laughs> names like Dr. T. Hassan Johnson, I'm like, yo, who is this cat? And I had to, and, and and it's really been life changing for me personally. I've gone through a lot of personal changes just in the past couple of years. And um, you were one of the brothers who has facilitated that, you know, putting me on to Dr. Tommy J. Curry and the man not getting able to read that, getting acquainted with uh, Jim Sedanius and, you know, social dominance theory and all of that. Yeah. Just and, and just it's just helping give me and I'm sure countless other brothers a vocabulary, you know, to be able to to understand and, and articulate what we're going through and be and just be able to push back on all the nonsense. Amen. I, you don't know how I much I that. appreciate that. Amen. Thank you. you yeah. uh, and we do and we and we call we call we call, we correspond from time to time on Facebook, but you probably don't know me by my government name. Maybe that'll be <laughs> maybe that'll yeah. be revealed later on, but <laughs> all right, man. Much appreciation, man. Yes indeed. Yes right. indeed. All right, y'all. I appreciate you guys uh, engaging, watching the show. And remember, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate if you will. I want to hear in the comments some of your thoughts, especially if I didn't have a chance to get to you tonight. Um, but I am going to probably be using this format a little more on my Wednesday lives uh, to get get a feel for what y'all are thinking. But continue to put them in the comments. I want to know, do you think young Black men are being listened to? What do you think the cost of not listening to them is? Um and what can be done in your assessment. But outside of that, I would argue, if you have a young black male in your life, um, do yourself and them the honor of actually having a real conversation. But by conversation, I mean one where you actually spend more time listening than talking. Spend more time taking in than, than just trying to get them to, to, to do what you're saying. Because at the end of the day, these young men are gonna have their own thoughts, they're gonna have their own worldview anyway. And you may actually be contributing to it in a negative way by not bothering to listen to what they're talking about. Actually get them to the point. See, this is the ideal. And I don't know if I'd say I've achieved this as a father, but I will say this is my ultimate goal for my son to get to a point where he feels like he can tell me anything. I had that relationship with my grandfather. 
my grandfather was um, he was an imam in Brooklyn, New York, and he was one of those grandfathers that I only saw I only saw him like twice in my life, right? But he would call me wherever I was. He would, you know, if I moved, we moved somewhere, he would call. If I, when I got to college, I don't care if they moved me from dorm to dorm to dorm, he would call around until he found me. And we would just have conversations. We could talk about anything. We could talk about sex. We could talk about fighting. We could talk about uh, relationships. We could talk about God. We could talk about, I mean, there was nothing off limits. And there was an incredible amount of freedom in that relationship. And mind you, he was doing this when I was like five. So, I, you know, by the time I was an adult, I had such a love for him. I didn't even understand the nature of it until he had passed and it was no longer there. And then when I became a father, I began to really understand what he did. He opened a space that I could feel safe in to talk to him about anything. Now, a parent, that's a little different because sometimes you got to step in and correct things. And, and, you know, that might be something that takes a little more time to cultivate because you play a different role than a grandparent. But at the end of the day, my goal especially as my son is, you know, transitions into his independence and his manhood is to create a space where he can talk to me about anything. No judgment. Now he can get insight. He can get advisements. You know, he can get conversation. He can get reflection, but he's also going to get me listening to him and hopefully his willingness to come forward and talk to me, especially if it's something that he really needs help with, because I don't want to ever hear the day where he's made a decision that might be life impacting but didn't feel like he could come to me because I, like many others, don't care to even listen. So hopefully you all got something out of the night. I know I did. Appreciate y'all. Have a good night. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic and selfish and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace. Thank you.